Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Maybe you got out to the cottage or out to one of the Great Lakes over the weekend. And if you are one of the people that uh, live at, uh, on one of the Great Lakes or, you know, work down near Lakeshore, here in Toronto, you've noticed our water levels are extremely high. I know that we beat the 2017 record for Lake Ontario as far as high water goes this year. And I was up at Sogging Shores in Port Elgin this weekend, and I have never seen the Lake Huron that high. The water level is really so high that in some places, uh, the beach that used to be there and was quite extensive is gone. In some cases, it's up to the dune. And I was wondering... Like what's with the water level being so high, and is it going to continue to get higher? Because two weeks ago, I thought, no, I can't get any higher. I go back this weekend. I'm floored. Mark Matson is who we reached out to to get some answers here. He's Lake Ontario waterkeeper and president of Swim Drink Fish Canada, and I'd like to call him friend of the show. Welcome to the show, Mark. Good morning, Kelly. Good to have you on again. Yeah, thanks. So can you explain why Great Lake water levels are so high this year? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, everyone knows it's the it's the rain and the snow melt um, in 2017 and 2019 that sort of caused it. But why it's happening, um, you know, to have 200-year high water levels on the Great Lakes um, in 2017 and 2019 after, you know, the, the previous sort of high was in 1973, it's hard to explain. Um, you know, maybe we're seeing a change in the way the weather is, is you know, around the Great Lakes Basin is um, taking place, but maybe it's just uh, temporary. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to predict the future, and there's no real certainty. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was an overly snowy winter this year. No, um, but we did have a lot of rain again in April, late March, um, and maybe it was just the cold that continued on, and it all came at once. But it wasn't just, for example, Lake Ontario is the only lake where they have any ability to control the water levels. The other Great Lakes, um, there's no ability to do it. So what you're seeing is the natural sort of impact of all that rain and snow melt on the other Great Lakes. So it's clear that it's it's something, you know, Great Lakes basin-wide, not just limited to Lake Ontario. So, Mark, let me see if I heard you correctly here, because I think I did. You said that no other Great Lake... Uh, other than Lake Ontario, can they control the water level? That's right. Um, wow. After it goes over Niagara Falls, that's why Lake Ontario doesn't control the other Great Lakes waters because of the, you know, we all know about the Niagara Falls. And, um, yeah, so all the other Great Lakes are just natural. There's no control on the water levels. Okay, so uh, can they get any higher? Well, the prediction is right now, coming from the International Joint Commission, the IJC, is that they've peaked and that we're going to see them slowly um, recede now, you know, as we go into the summer, which is good news. But it's no, um, it's no consolation to those who've seen the damage again, particularly, you know, twice in the last three years. Um, the basements, the, you know, running the pumps all the time and paying for those extra electricity costs, et cetera. It's quite, there was a lot of damage done again this year, as there was in 2017. And um, it's going to recede now, but um, obviously that's a little consolation. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can, it's a no brainer how this is going to affect people's beach holidays. You know, people renting cottages mm-hmm. thinking we're going to spend a lot of time on the beach. Well, you're going to be a lot closer to your neighbor uh, on a very skinny strip of beach where uh, Lake Huron is concerned. But really, what does this do to the shoreline? Well, the high water and depending on the winds, um, you know, it can, it can rip away a lot of the shoreline, rip away a lot of the, the dirt and the soil. I mean, we've got water at levels that, 
we don't see very often. So all of that's going to wash away. And um, there's a lot of concern around that, obviously, for people who have, you know, who live very close to the shore. And for the beaches, I mean, they'll come back. Um, that's the good news. But, you know, right now, even here in Toronto, for example, the Woodbine Beach, I mean, the lake is just covering around two-thirds of that beach. So I know the city of Toronto is trying to pump that water out now to try and recover some of the beach so people can start using it this weekend. How does this affect aquatic life, if, if at all? Because, I mean, they're, hey, water's higher, more swim, swimming. Right. Well, it's interesting because higher water, obviously, creates a lot more um, habitat. It gets up into the wetlands that, um, you know, really need high water. Um, but when And it sometimes overflows and goes into areas where there wasn't water before, and so fish and habitat get in there. So there's a, you know, if there is any good news, it's that we have a lot of fresh water. We're very lucky to have fresh water. And, you know, the more, the more water really around the edges of the, in the spring, around the edges of the Great Lakes does create a lot more habitat. So, it's, you know, it's a lot better than having really low water where they get dried out and there's no habitat. So, you know, in terms of birds and fish, they certainly like um, high water. So this is a 200-year event. We have not seen the water levels this high. Um, is there anything super positive uh, beyond the animals about this? Not really. I mean, other than the fact that... Um, you know, because over the last 30, 40, 50 years, we filled in so many of the wetlands, as I say, with the higher water, it does sort of restore them and refresh them and create other habitat. But, you know, overall, what we're seeing is if this continues, um, you know, there's going to be a lot, lot more damage and there's really not a lot we can do about it in the short term. We'll have to see if what the predictions are in the future. But I know a lot of your listeners probably are, you know, remember just 10, 15 years ago, the concerns about low water levels and the damage it was causing, the inability to put boats into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of uh, navigation on the Great Lakes as well that need water and the depth of the water. So you know, it's hard to say. I, I, I just think, you know, there was a lot of attempt to try and politicize this and say the IJC somehow caused the high water on the Great Lakes. But it's really just not the case. When you, you say IGC, I don't think everybody will know what that um, is. Yeah, the International Joint Commission. It's a 104-year-old scientific body that um, United States and Canada, it's the oldest sort of um, institution that really looks at um, how to protect the Great Lakes, the Great Lakes Water Quality Board, et cetera. It also helps to pr- try and control the water levels on Lake Ontario where it can. But with the high water levels like 2017 and 2019, it just overwhelms any attempts to try and control it. And all it can do is try and minimize the damage. So, you know, there isn't anything, there's nothing being done by humans that are causing this, but um, other, unless you link it to climate change, um, which a lot of people are looking at this as evidence, they can't make, you know, it's not, they can't make predictions as to whether or not this is going to continue or not yet. But I know that this, there's a lot of evidence out there that's sort of um, starting to make people reconsider about how we go forward or what to expect in the, for, in the future with respect to Great Lakes water levels. Yeah, this could be the new normal. Well, yeah, there's a lot of evidence suggesting we're going in that direction. But again, we've seen um, we've seen so many changes on the Great Lakes, at least in the last 20 years that I've been working on. So I used to do so many calls about low water levels, and well, now we have high water levels. Mark, I was going to bring that up. Like, as recent as five years ago, I think, I don't think I have to go back that far, mm-hmm. uh, we had, like, record low water levels mm-hmm. on Lake Huron, and we, like, the joke was, and it wasn't really a joke, it was a lot of people kind of like, are the Americans stealing the water, or is it fracking? Yeah, 
Well, you know, the Americans are the only, you know, jurisdictions that do take a lot of a lot of water out of the Great Lakes, particularly in Chicago with the diversion. And there were concerns about Waukesha and Wisconsin as those communities grow. They're growing into the Mississippi watershed and outside the Great Lakes watershed. So there were a lot of concerns about that. And if you're from Port Elgin, you would have seen, you know, just that's where you have that shallow shoreline. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see the impacts. And I'm sure you used to look for the water. Where's the edge of the water a few years ago up in Port Elgin? And now it's right up to the road. So, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. Um, and, you know, governments are trying to build in resilience to protect communities, et cetera, going forward. But it's really hard to predict what we're going to see in 2020, 2021. I really appreciate your time as always, Mark. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Anything coming up that we should know about with Swim, Drink, Fish Canada? Well, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're out in the Toronto Harbour for sure, um, doing citizen monitoring around water quality. And we always encourage anyone who wants to come out to come on out and um, see what it's like, see how to sample and see what the water quality um, results are. We share those on Swim Guide um, the next day, every day. And so there's a lot of engagement opportunities for people to get out there and become a little more literate about their water and about what's going on. So anytime anybody wants to be involved, they just have to go to waterkeeper.ca and um, they can get involved with us and, and learn about the Great Lakes. How do they recognize you, Mark, when you're down there? Well, I usually have. Our team has uh, little swim, drink, fish hats on. And we also have shirts that say, um, you know, swim, drink, fish, and swim guide, and citizen science on the back. So you can't really miss us. We're the ones out there with the lab coats and the water bottles taking the samples. Mark, can I ask you just a quick question here? I noticed sure. people wear a lot of the um, stairways along the Toronto Harbor that lead to boardwalks that are now covered in water because of the high water level. I've noticed tourists sort of wading down into that water in the harbor. Would you recommend that? Is that I sort of thought mm, this doesn't look like a comfortable or a clean place to be hanging out in, in the middle of the harbor. Yeah, no. I mean, our results, the city of Toronto doesn't do harbor water monitoring, but we do. And our results that we post on Swim Guide are showing very high levels of bacteria in the harbor. In the harbor. Um, you know, the city has put up signs. They don't have any beaches are on the, in the harbor, and they definitely make it clear that you shouldn't come in contact with the water in the harbor, but we're the only ones really doing the science and posting the results. We're encouraging the city to do that, but, you know, I think it should be clear mm-hmm. to everyone who goes down to the harbor to know that the city has those combined sewer overflows in the harbor, and it's not fit for recreational water use um, most of the time, particularly after the rain. So, yeah, Mark, do you think there is, there is a, um, the city wants to avoid that because they want to avoid any kind of lawsuit? Well, I think it's just, you know, they have to come to grips with this. They have to get on with separating those combined sewers, um, those stormwater from the sewage um, pipes in downtown Toronto. Or, you know, the other option is they're going to have to be more open and transparent about telling people to stay out. I know Mm -hmm. they don't want to do that because everybody wants to encourage people to enjoy the harbour and be, you know, we want people to be part of the future of clean water in downtown Toronto. We do live on the Great Lakes, but... You know, I I think they're even surprised in the last few years just how many more people are going down to the harbor. Um, And, um, yeah, there just has to be a little bit more transparency. We know in Ottawa, for example, when the sewers start to discharge, they have, like, little red lights like you'd have in the goal on hockey that go off to warn people. Um, In Kingston, they have real-time monitoring where you can go and look and see which pipes are discharging when. So so these are sort of things Mm -hmm. that we've made recommendations to the City of Toronto that they need to do if they want to be fully transparent 
and engage the public in making the um, changes that are necessary to clean up the harbor. So that's why we're out there sampling. We're putting together the case and the brief to encourage the city to long-term separate those pipes and in the interim at least give the public the best information they have to protect themselves from getting sick. Amazing. Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate your time as always. Thank, thank you. Cheers. Bye. That is Mark Matson, who is the uh, Lake Ontario waterkeeper and with Swim Drink Fish.